welcome to the Salted Caramel Podcast from Our Lady of Mountain Carmel here in Carmel, Indiana, where we can't get enough of caramel. So this is a podcast where we love to share our parishioners' faith stories, but today we have a little special episode. My name is David Cook. I'm the stewardship director here, and with me is the always joyful Jody Curtis. Jody, who's our guest today? David, I'm so excited to announce our somewhat surprise guest today is Jim Beckman. He's been leading our parish mission this week. So as you know, we record in advance, but we're so thrilled to have him join us today. Yeah, it's great to be with you. How are you doing, Jim? Doing very well. How's it feel being at the parish? Oh, I'm loving it. Yeah. Uh, I was actually, I had dinner with Father Richard last night and was asking if I can send people up here to visit. Nice. Because uh, in, in some ways, what's happening at the parish and the life of the parish, the Matthew 25 Center, I, I went over there yesterday and kind of toured the facility over there. There's just a lot of great, you know, evidences of missionary discipleship coming to life, you know, in very practical ways and would would love to hold that up to parishes in our archdiocese and say, hey, come visit. If you want to see it, you know, your creative imagination coming to life come come visit this place because there's a lot of really good things. So that's awesome. But you will have to warn them that people will honk at them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As you mentioned in the mission. <laughs> Weird, weirdest experience ever. That's awesome. Well, for those who don't know, do you want to explain a little bit about yourself, uh, your history, background, acumen? Yeah, well, I'm, uh, I, I work in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City for, for the Archdiocese uh, as in the Office of Evangelization and Catechesis. Uh, so my family and I moved there three and a half years ago after living in Denver for 22 years uh, where I was a parish youth minister and worked, did some work for the Archdiocese of Denver and, and, and then was uh, on faculty at the Augustine Institute for about 10 years. So um, that's a l- little bit of my background. That's awesome. What did you teach? Uh, leader, leadership, evangelization, discipleship, like I was in kind of those topics. I, I was. They have two tracks at the AI, the theology track and then the leadership track. So I, I was more the practitioner uh, side of the faculty. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. Nice. I nice. had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to take a class. Come. Jim, do you remember a time in your life before having a true relationship with Christ? Oh, yeah. Well, I... I my my conversion really would have happened when I was very young. So I, I was only nine and a half years old. Uh, I'm actually telling this story a bit between last night and tonight. I left everybody on a cliffhanger with right in the middle of my story last night. But that's the way to do it, uh, right? Like they're like the, it's actually classic uh, uh, method and practice for how to share the faith. But um, you know, so that that encounter is something that really altered the course of my life as a very young. Uh, child and um, was so prominent, it lasted with me all through my teen years and into college. I've had numerous conversions since then, but I, I, I never lost that initial conversion. It was so, it was so profound in in some ways uh, that it has just stuck with me. You know, so all all of the conversions since then have been deeper, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I've never thought of it like that. But now that I think of it, I was like, I've, like, I've had constant reversions. And, you know, you, you got to tell your faith story last week. And you had a lot of deeper and deeper moments. I think we underestimate that in everybody's stories of Lord's constantly pursuing everybody. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, tell us about your most recent 
concrete conversion that you had with the Lord calling you deeper. Well, and and this really has been some of the theme over the last couple of nights with the mission and will culminate tonight. Um, it, it's kind of interesting. Like one, one of the things that I would really encourage is surrounding, well, this maybe it'd be a better way to say this. Like I've always have encouraged my kids in sports. Like they're all at athletes and pursue those, those kinds of things. I've always said to him, like, get on teams with everybody better than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, play up, uh, stretch yourself, because that's that's what's going to make you really better. You know, like, uh, it's not going to help you a whole lot to be on a team where you're the best player and uh, no no one's really challenging you to really grow. And I think the same is true with our faith, right? Uh, that, and, and I think that's been a, a bit of my experience when when I moved to Oklahoma City three years ago. I started meeting some other people and, and some of them are a lot younger than me, uh, but they've had lives that were impacted by focus or college campus ministry. And, and then as they, you know, kind of got out of college and got into their career lives. So I'm meeting them in their, you know, late twenties, early thirties. Um, and I think they're coming to me, you know, asking if I would kind of disciple them. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm, I'm meeting with them and all of a sudden I'm like, well, these guys are a lot older than I am. Uh, and I, I don't know. I started realizing, I, I think, well, I think God was use, using them to convict me. Wow. As, as you've gotten older, you've gotten a little soft. Uh, and it, it wasn't like conscious decision. Right. And I, my guess is that a lot of people my age and maybe a little bit older, uh, find themselves in a very similar place in in life right now, where you're raising kids, you're paying bills, you're trying to think about retirement. You you've got a million juggled juggling priorities, and maybe you had an encounter with Christ some long time ago in your faith, uh, and you wake up every morning, you know, and it's like we're in the doldrums almost of life, right? right. Like there's. Uh, we're just keeping the wheels turning and and the plate spinning, and uh, when when you got you know six seven eight thousand dollar tuition bills showing up that you got to figure out how you're going to pay, like a prayer time is like not high on your priority list. Yeah, you, you know what I'm saying. And I I think a lot of those kinds of realities and move, moving my family across country and then having all kinds of challenges happen with our kids as they went through that transition and. Uh, it's not like you stop praying, but prayer can become functional, and you you start almost like comforting yourself or medicating a, a little bit with TV TV shows, and you know, like you're so tired at the end of the day that reading something or trying to do some self improvement or. I don't know, like those those little challenges. Like when I was younger, that stuff was more, you know. But now all of a sudden, I'm in these small groups with these young men who are just on fire with wanting to take the, you know, the passion of their their faith applied to mission and bring it to bear in their lives and the way that they're approaching their marriages and the way that they're approaching how they're raising their kids and and how they're approaching their job. Like I, I have two guys. That, that are, I'm in a small group with that I, I meet with like once a month and they're real estate development guys. Both of them have some focus background. One of them was a team leader with a focus team. And like, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. They, they literally have decided 
they're going to cut their work week hours down to 20 hours so that they can create margin for mission. Wow. Like, how do you have coffee yeah, yeah. Exactly. with a couple of guys like that and like, cheapers? Yeah. You know, like I'm uh-huh. I'm just trying to figure out how I can pay the bills, right. you know, and squeeze in a, a 30 minute prayer time. And like, you, you literally are cutting your work hours in half, which could be at huge financial risk to your company mm-hmm. um, because I need to be discipling, I need to be evangelizing, I need to be sharing my faith with other people. So you you can't be around that kind of energy and not be affected. Yeah. And and so like so like there there's like a reversion, right? Or some new something coming alive in me. I'm gonna start crying. I told, <laughs> I told you. <laughs> That's good. I, t- I was telling them earlier for everybody listening, I'm a fifty-five-year-old sappy cry at everything these days. I don't know what my deal is, but um <laughs> um something's come alive. Yeah. In a beautiful way where I, I feel like my arts, you know, had grown um, not cold, but the embers were def- definitely waning. Mm-hmm. This this must be what St. Ignatius of Loyola would talk about, the gift of tears, yeah. right? Like he, I think he found himself constantly in prayer where he couldn't even bring words to his prayer. He would just weep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, wow! Nice. So you found a new team, better team, huh? Like I call it my fellowship. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, like you, I, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan, uh-huh. and uh, you know, like the 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 fellowship of the ring to help Frodo get the get the ring to where it needed to go and destroy it. You know, um, all of us need a fellowship in our life, and there's different. Char- there's different types of characters in that fellowship that come to play at different times in our life, right? Sometimes you need an Aragorn, sometimes you need a Gandalf, but sometimes you need a Samwise who's just going to pick you up and carry you because uh, you can't do it yourself, right? Yeah, I think it's hilarious. I mean, to push the the analogy further is like when you would enter this group of young guys, you'd probably be thinking of yourself as the Gandalf. Exactly, exactly. And I'm just Frodo. (laughs) (laughs) And I can't even walk, you know, so one of those guys is picking me up and carrying me. That's awesome. That's exactly what you need. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, so so much of our uh, conversion stories that we hear on the show is all about community, strength, Mm -hmm. friendship, like let's build up virtue together. Like we just had the Exodus 90 pitch last week and like those guys, they're they're running together and they're hungry. Like that's well, and isn't it, like it's so like one of the the backdrop themes of Exodus ninety and a lot of men's ministry stuff is iron sharpens iron, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's exactly what I'm experiencing is I'm 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 running in a, in a race, you know, and I I thought I was just jogging, you know, with no real point to it, you know, and you're just running, you know, you know, running laps or something. And then all of a sudden I'm seeing these guys lapping me (laughs) and I'm like, holy smoke, I got to pick up the pace here. Like I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to be the leader. Um, So it's it's been a beautiful thing and has, has, has challenged me in many ways. And I feel like as I've, uh, you know, and I, and I don't, I don't want to overstate it because on one end, you can you could think like, man, I was really like falling off the rails, or you know, mm-hmm. which which isn't the case, you know. Like mm-hmm. it, was, it was all just settling almost for a level of mediocrity and uh, a, a level of lack of passion, where you were just kind of going through the motions with mm-hmm. things, 
and I was there and I was showing up and, um, but, but I think in, in my relationship with my wife and my relationship with every one of my kids, like just being there isn't enough. Right. Right. Like you, you gotta be a little bit passionate and have a little bit of fire in you about those important relationships and what you're doing. And if you're not, if, if you're not experiencing that in your relationship with God, how can you bring it to bear in any of the, any of those other important relationships? Right. Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Jim, what are you most grateful for right now in your life? Well, ironically, because you, you would think the first thing I would say would be these young guys, which I am. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very grateful for the, you know, the, what, what's happened in my life, but um, it, it's actually brought me to a, gr a much greater awareness of, <laughs> my wife i'm just incredibly grateful for her and um you know one, one of the beautiful things about a marriage is you you have times of passion and you have times of doldrum uh and one one of the really powerful things is when you're in a committed relationship and you weather those things and stay in it uh, you, I think you experience the rekindling of fire and passion and um, and, and kind of a, a resurgence of the love uh, and, and the depth of that love. But had you not gone through periods of those kind of, uh, you know, not not wastelands, but pretty close sometimes, uh, you don't you don't appreciate. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I think it's one of the sad things in our culture today is that there's so many marriages that are ending in, in divorce and are are breaking up and, and sometimes younger in the marriages where they haven't spent enough time together to experience those consolations and desolations in some ways and how if, if you can just weather the storm you you realize that you come into a new springtime and, and right. it's like filled with all kinds of life and that's that's happening in my marriage right now. So I'm incredibly grateful to these young guys that have inspired me in my relationship with Christ. But isn't it fascinating? Like I start getting closer to Christ and the first thing he does is get me closer with my wife. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Like beautiful. That's awesome. What are what are some tangible ways that you find these young guys are changing your life now? Instead of getting out of the mediocrity or the mundane routine you were in, how are you changing it? Well, I, I think, I mean, number one, I just started praying mm -hmm. more and, and really pursuing my prayer uh, and getting, you know, kind of reconnected in that relationship with, with Christ um, actually started making me more and more aware of areas of sin that I had allowed. Um, and, and, you know, not like really serious things, but any sin is serious. And that that kind of mediocrity and and settling uh, is you know I I would say probably the most common statement that I've made over the past couple of nights at the parish mission is God loves us so much that He will pursue us anywhere He He is constantly pursuing us and coming after us but He loves us way too much to leave us there so so the minute that He can arrest our attention and capture us He starts trying to you know, it's almost like he turns immediately and says, once we we recognize him, he turns and starts walking where he wants us to go. And it's like, follow me. <laughs> but he doesn't wait for us to answer. And so you find yourself trying to catch up to him. Mm -hmm. And 
that's what I've experienced is like this this reconnection in prayer and my my prayer has come alive again in in beautiful ways and you know years ago I wrote a book on prayer uh, so you would, you would think I would know a lot about it um, <laughs> but I uh, I feel like I could I could write another book just on nice. just on my own experience of what God has brought me through kind of, kind of a new almost like a second conversion in some ways where. Uh, and I think everyone at some point has to come to a point in their life where they really stand face to face with Christ, and 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 he says, "Will you follow me?" It's kind of like the like imagine Peter when he when he first was called by the Lord on that boat that day, and he had just witnessed this huge miracle mm-hmm. of the big catch, you know, they'd been fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. Jesus says, cast your net out. And he's like, really? I just cleaned the nets. <laughs> but he does it, you know, almost begrudgingly, right? Mm-hmm. But has this huge catch. And then he falls down on his knees and you're like, leave me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. And Jesus says, come follow me. You know, from now on, you're going to be fish catching, catching men. Mm-hmm. Well, now fast forward that that's in the very f- beginning of the gospel of Matthew. You fast forward to the end of the gospel of John like bookends mm-hmm. of the gospel, the four gospels, right? And in in the very last chapter of John, you have Peter goes fishing and Jesus appears on the shore. They don't recognize him and they have another big catch, right? They've been they've been hard at it all night, not caught any, anything. He says the same thing. When Peter recognizes, okay, this is Jesus, he jumps out of the boat and runs to him. And then Jesus does those three questions, you know, do you love Peter? Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? But then right then he says, follow me. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm, this is what I think I'm, I'm experiencing right now is that second moment yeah. where Jesus says to you again, will you follow me? But now you understand it's everything. What, what's it going to cost? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, Will you give me all? Will you give me your whole life? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point, when Peter says yes, that at that moment, he understands the invitation completely differently. And he knows now, like, okay, um, my, the, 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 this, is, this is everything, include, including the way I'm going to die, you know. Um, and and that's, that's powerful when we, I think, when we come to that place in our life where, you're, you're, you really, you, you recognize what the cost is going to be and you say yes anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Love it. That's awesome. Can't wait for me to get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it could start today. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, as you know, this is a, a podcast where our whole mission is to essentially allow our parishioners to have an outlet to share their faith stories, but also feel more confident in sharing their faith with their friends, with their family. How, what are some tips that you would give our parishioners of better ways that they can share their faith or how they can be more confident and bring it into everyday life? Well, I, I think the, um, the heart of sharing our faith and, and how faith becomes contagious is joy and gratitude. Uh, and, you know, like the spiritual writers uh, around, you know, spirituality in, in our faith would talk about what they call these master affects. And uh, fear is one of them. But f- fear is almost always rooted in some type of wound or pain or 
uh, an experience like that, and it 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 typically is connected to the activity of the enemy in many ways because he typically tries to piggyback on our on our wounds and experiences in life like that. And I, I, I don't know, I find, I find a lot of emotional activity and mental activity for most people is rooted in a lot of fear, right? Your, your day-to-day stuff, like, and you, you can, you know, that, that's not necessarily the surface thought, you know, but like, just, just think about somebody asks you to do something and your immediate reaction is, I can't do that. I don't have time. I don't have time to do that. Well, what's what's underneath all of that? Well, it's actually a fear. It's a fear that I'm going to run out of time. It's a fear that I'm not going to be able to do what I want to do or what I feel like I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if you if you look at the surface things that are going, you know, a hundred times a day, a lot of them are rooted in fear. Um, but the other master affect in the spiritual life is gratitude, uh, and the reason why it it. Uh, spiritual writers would emphasize it so much is because in the same way that fear is typically rooted in the activity of the enemy, gratitude is almost always rooted in the activity of the father, Mm -hmm. right? Like gratitude in our heart and stirring up gratitude in our heart, even sometimes in the midst of our fears, it's actually the way, like it kind of chases fear away because when, when you're in a place of gratitude, your heart's actually open and receptive to just authentic expressions of God's love, which he's offering to us all the time, uh, every day, every moment in every day. But a lot of times we, we miss them because we're distracted and, you know, uh, and cloud clouded by our fears. Right. So I, I think, you know, that was a long answer to your question, but in, in a very practical way, like being in a place of gratitude and you know, constantly throughout our day, what am I grateful for? What what is what is what is God doing? Where where is God? How do how do I see Him around me in nature, in beauty, in in other people, uh, and and particularly in the in the most important relationships in my life? And where is He just in my own relationship with Him, connecting with Him every day in prayer? Like if you're kind of living in that spot of gratitude, it 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 actually naturally opens our us up. Like we, we tend to be more open to other people and we find ourselves looking around being other centered instead of inner focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you start noticing people and you start saying hello and you start, you, you know, like it just changes your outlook on everything. And those encounters actually lead to what Peter talks about, you know, always be ready to give a reason for this hope of yours. Mm-hmm. Well, what does that imply? Mm-hmm. That somebody asked you, well, they would never ask you if you weren't walking around like you had a hope, yeah. right? So if if we're living in a place of gratitude, it it makes us somewhat contagious, I think. And people notice you, and it's like, what's up with you? Like you, like why are why are you always so happy all the time? What why why do you seem to have hope? Uh, have you not noticed what's going on in the world today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, well, let me tell you where my hope comes from. <laughs> uh, let me tell you why I'm so happy, right? Uh, so I don't know if that makes sense, oh, but like I, I think if you if you live that way more often than not, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to have people start asking you questions and people noticing something different about you. And yeah, well, Jim, I think that'll resonate with our parish listeners more than you uh, even know. In that we've had a saying at our parish for several years that we're grateful no matter what. Hmm. So that's a beautiful connection to that.
tie in there. And I think it's a, a beautiful call to action for this week of right. instituting right. gratitude into your daily life, trying to look for God in the small things, in the little things. Mm-hmm. Um, a tangible way for this next week, a challenge would be every night before you go to bed, say three to five things that you're grateful for happen throughout that day, a little mini examine. Yeah. Yeah. I think I love that. Well, I, I even gave the thing at the mission the other night. Uh-huh. Every time you're tempted to complain about a mask or about, you know, another COVID restriction or whatever, like stop yourself and think of something you're grateful for yes. instead. That <laughs> yeah. was great. That yeah. was really great. So. That's great advice. Jim, would you like to end us with a prayer? Sure. I'd love to. Love to. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we are so grateful for this opportunity to be together today through this podcast. And I pray for each and every person that is listening right now. Lord, I pray that you would touch us deeply in our hearts and help us to be aware of your movement, your presence, your love for us, your constant pursuit and labor of love. Lord, I I pray that you would expand our capacity to receive it and that our hearts would just be more and more open to all of the ways that you want to love us and reveal yourself to us. And through that revelation and that illumination, make us contagious impacts of your presence in the world around us with each and every person that we come in contact with. And uh, Mary, we ask that you would pray for us as our mother, but most importantly, that you would pray that we would be receptive like you were. You, you were so receptive to the move of God and, and, and his incredible outpouring of love that you became pregnant with his life. Help us be receptive like that. Pray for us to be receptive like that. And we pray together, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it was an absolute pleasure having you, Jim. Oh, it was great being here. Yeah. Thanks what for making the time. Yeah. yeah. For all you guys out there, stay salty.